The powwow after you take a shower And we only deal with the real It feels so surreal Having a show featuring ordinary people Doing extraordinary things Within your community Like raising funds for charity Fighting for diversity Inclusion Dispelling myths and illusions Raising helpful awareness Tremendous conscious athletes Marathoners and triathletes Making a difference Combating ignorance mm. Behind the wheel you know the deal morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Baby Ox, Baby O D Rock D Livingstone. Woo! And today we we're gonna ride um we're gonna ride out solo. Yeah. So um buckle up and let's go. Yo, you got any more? All I need is one more shoe, then I'm through. Nikki said one more dress will release her stress. One more purse to match her fur. One more sneaker, you get the picture. All I need is just one more. Now my closet's full. No more room for more, but I still want more. Ah, man. Yeah, you know I'm on the campaign trail, right? Yeah, I know you've seen me. It's like, oh my goodness, this guy, if he drops one more of those notices asking us to vote. I think we got like 16 more days left, right? 16 more days left to uh, cast your vote. Uh, shout out to FedEx. I think that's a great idea. I used to work for FedEx back in the day before it was... Uh, it was actually Kinko's, um, and then it became like FedEx office. Yeah, but that's another story. We might jump into a little bit of that today. So, yeah, I wanted to do this episode solo. I was thinking about, I had come home, I think it was last night or the night before, and I opened up my Anchor app, and I seen that there was a sponsor. Shout out to Anchor. Anchor's like a great platform if you're thinking about getting into podcasting and you don't know exactly which one to go with. I've been with them now for, man, it must have been since I've been doing the podcast, like two, maybe three years. And so it just makes it a seamless process. So anyhow, I opened up the app and they are, they are great about getting sponsors for you. And so one of the sponsors that they got in contact with was theblacktux.com. So they got me thinking about wedding and divorce and children and all that kind of stuff. I said, man, it might be a great opportunity to to share a little bit about myself, what brought me to this place, you know, before we got into running and yeah, so I figured I would do just that. For those of you who've been following me on Facebook, I might have seen a lot of this uh, early on, just sort of like in bits and pieces, wake up in the morning, jump in the car, drive down to uh, D&D, go through the drive-through, talk to Carmen, and then place my order, and and then uh, hit the road. But yeah, so this is uh, not that episode. This is where I get to kind of sit down and just kind of share, like, what started? Where did it all start for me? Why? Why? podcasting why talking behind the wheel why why getting involved in doing weekly race recaps why why the music like what what are you thinking dude are you are you crazy that might be a little part of it but uh that's not the main part of it <laughs> so yeah I, I grew up in brooklyn for those of you who don't know born in barbados came to brooklyn when i was like three years old Living on Halsey Street. Back then, tag on, the streets looked so huge back then. I thought like, yo, ah, man, it's going to take forever to get across the street. And I go back to visit now, and it's like, oh, man, this is tiny. I don't understand how the 26 bus made it down. <laughs> there was like a two-way street. But, yeah, two buses would come down the street, and that's where I grew up. Brooklyn, Bedford-Stuyvesant, old Brooklyn, not new Brooklyn. And I spent a lot of time with this elderly woman on my block, Mrs. Harris. 
long silver gray hair. She walked the German Shepherd, would kind of keep me out of trouble. Miss Harris had a uh, a shovel, you know. So I would I would go to her house. I'd shovel her snow, and then she would let me borrow her shovel, and I would go up and down the block, and we'd walk from bed to Flatbush shoveling snow. And that was like my first entrance into like entrepreneurship you know you got your hustle on she would she would pull me aside and just say you, you, what's your price don't be afraid to state your price let people know you're providing a service and yeah charge them make sure you you know you let them know up front what it's going to be so they understand the terms of agreement it's like terms of agreement okay I'm, you got to keep in mind now i'm a preteen i don't know anything about terms of agreement i just know i'm just trying to get a couple of dollars to uh, buy some sneakers from models or you know yeah because i was getting tired of like the, the rejects i wore rejects how many people wore rejects back in the day remember rejects rejects was the song right? i mean this, we, at least we had a song you know you might have had your pro kids or your converses but they didn't have a song rejects had a song y'all remember that song rejects they make your feet feel fine. Rejects. They cost a dollar ninety nine. Rejects. You'll get your rejects. I was like, oh man, if I hear that song one more time, I gotta get out of these rejects. I would run those sneakers in the hole and then you know, pitch it to my parents, like, yo, see if we had the pro kids, it's the quality of the product, you know? They just the the, the soles, I think, were like plastic. And that's when I realized, like, the temperature outside, yo, those rejects would be like skates. You would just slide all over the place. I said, I can't, I got to get, we got to get sneakers. We got to get, you know. And then we stepped it up. Next thing you know, we were, we were, I thought we had moved up. We had moved from buying them from Woolworth to uh, Models, and you would get them on the table. But the thing with Models is you had to, you had to seek out and search for, like, the matching pair. You remember that? You have to search for the matching because they were they were irregular and they said it on the thing. And then it, then it came with almost like a threat that if if you find the two and it's perfect, then we're going to charge you full price. I'm like, oh, man. So I cut, you know, you take one right shoe from this one and get the left one from over there, put it together. And then you got your a pair that almost looks presentable. Nobody knew. That's how I became like a sneakerholic. Yeah, I, I still love sneakers. I think I'm going to have a, uh, a, a sneakathon. Yeah, you know, like a, almost like a telethon, but a sneakathon where you just sell the sneakers. Yeah, I'm going to do that because I, I have the sneakers like lined up in the kitchen. That's probably why I'm single because nobody's, nobody's going to like, yo, um, you got to take them sneakers down. That's, that's it. They're underneath the cabinet. But when I started running, it just continued to feed the habit of, you know, purchasing sneakers. Because now I had a legitimate reason I could justify my sneaker purchases. You know, I'm buying these for research purposes. Anyhow, so I'm getting I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So I'm I'm working, I'm young, I'm in Brooklyn, I'm going to school. I'm actually one of my other jobs was I used to walk my best friend to school, him and his brother, Ronald and Eric. And his mother would say, Ronald, make sure you hold his hand. Derek, tell me if you're not holding your hand. And they would pay me, she would pay me to walk. And we were in, Ronald and I were the same age. Eric was a, a you know a year younger. Eric used to beat me up all the time until I learned how to fight. I'm, I'm not a fighter. I'm, I'm, I, would, I was about to say I'm a lover. I'm, a, I'm, I'm more of a, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. That's not me. That's not my, that's not my persona. So they would, I would walk them to school. And I remember walking to 44. Uh, we'd get across the street. They'd hold my hand, you know, until we get out of eyesight. I'm like, oh, man, come on, man. This, oh, this, is, this is, you're killing me with this, dude. 
And then on the way back home, we'd stop by the number spot. We'd get some candy. You know, the number, number local number runner would have candy and stuff for us. And, yeah, and then we'd come home and, you know, play football in the, in the middle of the street. Or Coco Olivia, one, two, three, dog pile on the rabbit. And dog pile on the rabbit. I, I think I gave up playing dog pile on the rabbit because we were playing. We had a park. They opened up a park in one of the lots on Macon Street. And so I'm in the park. We playing. I don't want to play. I don't want to play. You get the ball. You get tackled. That's what dog pile on the rabbit is. Nah, I don't want to play. I'm good. I'm, I don't, nah, nah, I don't want to play. I don't play. They threw the ball. I got tackled. You know, after everybody unpeels, I get up. I'm like, okay. I start walking. I look down at my knee. And I'm like, oh, shit. Can we curse on here? I, yeah, I can bleep it out, right? I can just put, you know, explicit language or parental advisory I'll say that at the beginning of the episode. My knee now is opened and blood is like everywhere. So I go home and my sister is there, Yvonne. So she bandages me up. You know, now I got to go find my mother. My mother is getting her hair done at the hairdresser and walk over to the hairdresser. We get to St. John's and they stitch up my knee. And I got a big, you know, big scar on my knee from dog pile on the rabbit. I was like, I ain't playing no more. I'm done. I don't want to play. I'm good. But, you know, that that didn't stop me from being adventurous and venturing out. Like, I never had a bike growing up. So, I, my, my sister had a tricycle. I think she had a tricycle. We, I didn't have a bike growing up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bitter. I just, I just didn't have a bike. So, yeah. And I think I mentioned that in one of the, uh, the weekly race recaps. You know, I went straight from, I never had a tricycle. I went straight to a bicycle. And we'll get into the bicycle purchase when I got it downtown Brooklyn. So, I was on a bike, and if you if you notice, and you you know you watch any of the clips or whatever, I'm on this bike, and we were going. It wasn't my bike. We were going to Prospect Park. Everybody is saying, "Come on, let's go!" You know, here, ride this bike. So they had some bike that somebody must have threw together. It didn't have brakes on it. So I get on this bike, and we're on our way to a Prospect Park. Um, Prospect Park from from Bed Stuy and Halsey Street, Sumner and Lewis. It's a nice little it's a nice little ride, you know. So we get all the way there. We are coming back, coming that back down Bedford, and now there's this hill, and I'm you know you feeling the wind, you're feeling good, and I'm pedaling that, and I forgot the bike didn't have brakes. They said just put your foot in the front tire. That's all you gotta do. Don't worry about it. You good? I got it. Okay. And keep in mind, I had just learned how to ride a bike, so I'm riding, I'm coming down the hill, going full speed, I jam my foot in the front tire, and I am up in the air, and it's like slow motion, and I landed, when I tell you, I skidded half of my face off, cracked the front of my tooth, oh man, it was just, it was, it was heartbreaking, man, you know? And because now I have to think and I, all the while I'm coming down and I'm saying, how am I going to explain this to my parents? You know, like like what happened? You know, my tooth is cracked. You know, the side of my face is scraped off. And so my, where were you at? That's the first thing my pops asked me. It's like, where were you at? I'm like, I was I was I was riding a bike. I'm like what bike? You don't have a bike. What bike were you riding? Huh? What bike were you riding? I was I was riding somebody else's bike, Daddy. I was I was you know I was Donny Block, and I, I I didn't know that you know. My pops was not having it, so the I think I got beat for um <laughs> for falling off a bike. It was as if the pain of falling off the bike wasn't bad enough. The beating came um, to as, as like a reminder. 
I was like, all right, whatever. I got it. I took the lumps. And then I eventually, at one point, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get me a gold front. So now I got a gold front to cover up the crack, too. I was rocking with the gold front for a while. How many people remember gold front? She had a gold front. You have gold front bamboo earrings, you know, th- you know, four finger rings. I'm dating myself. So that was that was me. I had I had a gold front. I thought I was cool. You know, I started working. Um, got my first job, like first real job, um, was working at the Board of Ed, downtown Brooklyn. I remember, oh man, this was uh in high school, Mrs. Cheryl Lewis, like, had given me the, um, like, yo, this is, you know, go down there for the interview, you know, go and be presentable, be mature, shirt and tie, you know, dress up, play the part, which you got to do. So I would go there, do, I followed all the, all, all the directions, you know, and got the job. And now I'm downtown Brooklyn. I'm like, oh, man, people are all over the place. Like, wow, all these places to eat. Oh, what is I feel like an adult. I was adulting. Uh, I think I was still in high school. I was still in high school. I remember dropping out of high school. And the reason I, I dropped out of high school because I thought I was, you know, I, I wanted to be grown. I wanted to be like an adult. You know, I started working. I was had got that job, and then I was feeling myself and, and then I then I then I dropped down and I was like, yo. And I did a good job at while I was at the board of it. Went to lunch, came back on time. And when it was all said and done, Mr. Mackey said, Good job, son. And if you should ever need anything, you stop by my office and see me. And I did. And he and, and he hired me that day. I came in and I said, Hey, Mr. Mackey, how you doing? So you remember me? Yes, I, of course. He said, I'm looking for a job. He's like, no problem. Go upstairs to the 16th floor. We went to the floor. He got hired. Da, da, da. Next thing you know, I'm working up the teacher's pay stubs from um, when they were working during the freeze. And that's when I realized, like, yo, educators, they really didn't value educators. Like, why are y'all, like, they're, they're, you're spending all this money on education and you're not paying teachers. And some of them, you know, the stories that you would hear because they didn't get paid, that people were getting evicted. I'm like, dad, go on, no wonder why Miss Smith was so pissed off in the class. She wasn't getting a check. It was, uh. And you find out about these things, you know, working out of like closets and just the conditions within uh, the New York City public school system. It was, it was crazy. And so I am downtown. There's a bike shop downtown. I remember I getting my first check. Um, I went into this bike shop, I put a little, I put a deposit down on this bike. It was like a cruiser. It was like the cruiser from Fridays. I had had foam on the handlebars. I was chill, man. I rode my bike after I got off work into the city. I think I rode the entire like night. I rode into the city, rode over the Brooklyn Bridge, came home. Yo, you remember when you got your first bike? Hell yeah! <laughs> I remember when I got mine, I felt I could ride all night. Yo, I was just riding around town on my 10-speed Huffy. Can't nobody catch me, trust me. Just me and this cool breeze, please. And all these leaves off the trees. It was like freedom. That bike was like freedom. It was black and it had white wall tires. You couldn't tell. I don't know why I didn't get. I don't. I don't. I didn't get like a ten speed. This thing was just. It was a beach cruiser. There's no. There was no beach where I lived at, but I had this bike. That bike gave me freedom. I would ride my bike back and forth to work. You know, I get out. Uh, man, you could. Man, I scrubbing them. It was the, the the tires didn't even get dirty, but just the whole idea of, of keeping it clean. 
It's like, where are you gonna put that bike? It's like, yo, I didn't, I didn't think this thing all the way through. It's like, yeah, there's a thought because all of us lived in this. It wasn't even a bedroom. Yvonne and them probably gonna get mad when they hear this because it wasn't a, it wasn't a bedroom. It was like my parents' bedroom was also the living the general living space uh it was upstairs in a brown stone and that was the general living space so you had the the queen size bed um there was a chair in there the tv they had full control over the tv and then there was another chair and then as you go you know some sliding doors you would go through the sliding doors and then off to the left was a closet and then off to the right were bunk beds that my father made my father was a carpenter and so I was like, oh, like Jesus now? Like, Jesus, my father was a carpenter. Yeah, if you want to say like Jesus, yeah, okay, whatever. He was a carpenter. He was good with his hands. Very handy. And then my, then there was like the living room, and then you had the back room where my sisters um, lived, and they had a bunk bed. They, I think that bunk bed was purchased. We had we had the we had the bunk bed that my pops made. My pops' hand, he's crafty, so it was it was all right. That was the, that was the bed. Underneath had the drawers and stuff. And that's where I was sleeping. And so it was like, there was no space. They had a closet that led to the roof. And then the bathroom was in the hallway. And so then there, there was just like a little hallway space, you know, and that's where I was going to put, that's where I thought I could put the bike. So I, it worked out. All right. I mean, it was like a negotiation, you know, you should have taught, you should have talked to me. I hope you feel you going to get this bike. Honey. Like yo, pops, come on, come on, man, give me, give me some slack, give me some slack. And so that was, that was, that was my, that was my little life there, you know, with this, with this bike. But when I started working, things started to change when I met Mick. He was the principal at the high. We used to work side by side. He took me under his wing. He was a strong, no nonsense, educated black man. Rocked a bow tie, chomped on a cigar like Columbo in a trench coat like Rakim. Mick was no joke. Now I'm getting a little bit more mature and, you know, I'm working around uh, Mr. Mickens. And I realized Mr. Mickens was the one who had got me this, this summer job. I was working at the Big Apple Games. And when he came in, he had a big personality. This guy would fill up the room. I mean, and everybody loved Mick. Mick was, Mick was the man, you know. And so he comes in. I'm in the, in the office. I'm talking to Miss Lewis. And he's like, you're not even going to say thank you? And I'm like, I don't even know who he was at this point. I, I'm the one who got you the job. I'm like, God, I, I didn't know. I would have I said thank you. I'm not ungrateful. Thank you. This is this, is, this, is this generation. You know, so we're working. I'm a paraprofessional at Boys and Girls High School, working in a special ed department. And so, you know, because I, after I finished at at um, at the Board of Ed, you know, now it's time to, I'm gradu I am graduated from high school. I wound up having to, you know, I made up some time because I didn't graduate my class because I was a knucklehead. Came back, got my um, high school diploma, and then I'm looking for a job. And the same guidance counselor who had gotten me the uh, the job at the Board of Ed was the one who had gotten me the job at Boys and Girls High School, the high school that I graduated from, working with Mr. Mickens. And those were the, the best four years of my life. When I tell you the memories that I remember, that I, the experience that I gained from being with this man was is something that I carried with me throughout my life. You know, um, he was like, Yo, this was his early years before he turned the school around. Because I remember what the school was like, because I went to high school there. You would, you would be able to, 
you know, I would smoke weed outside. I, yes, yes, I smoked. I didn't, I did, and I inhaled too. I used to get high. I used to smoke weed, blunt, whatever. So I'm outside, and if you wanted to get in, sometimes you'd knock on the door. The security guards would open up the door for you to get in. Sometimes you might have to hit them off with a you know, pack of cigarettes or whatever, and it, and it would be good. If you were cool, they'd just open up the door for you or whatever. No problem. That was that was that was the that was the school. That was what that was the atmosphere. When he came, he locked all that down. All that changed. You wasn't you know you were not getting into school like that. If you were, if you said you you had to be at school at eight o'clock, nine o'clock or whatever, he would lock the doors. You could not get in that period. There was no oh come in and get a note and then you go nah. You he'd make you wait outside. They would wait outside. And this is pre where you have. Uh, coming in and, and metal detectors, no metal detectors. So he would stop and he would go through your bags. And if you said no hats in school, that's what he meant. He would call me from over the loudspeaker, Mr. Oxley, come down to the principal's office, please. Mr. Oxley. And you know, oh man. So I'm like, what did I do? I come downstairs. He'd ask you, you got your car today? Huh? You made this big announcement over the phone, over the loudspeaker. Do you have your car today? And I had a, I had an old school um, Volvo station wagon, a blue Volvo station wagon. And he said, yeah, I got to go get my glasses. So I'm like, okay, let's go. And I know he had a car. When I think about it, I'm like, you got a car? So, like, what? what is this? And... I'm driving the car, but then it's the experiences. It's the time that you were able to kind of spend with this man. He's like, yo, we want to do this thing at the school. You know, what you doing? Can you have a, a couple of hours to uh, to spend, uh, you know, after school working on this project? You got some bulletin boards and stuff. And, you know, want to recognize the students, most improved student, student of the month. And he's laying out these programs to me that he wants to do and wanted to know, could I help? Like, he didn't have to, you know, explain it in detail, but that's the kind of man he was. And so I'm like, okay, all right, so um, is that overtime? And Mr. Jackson, the track coach, was like, is that overtime? You, you, these, you, these, these people, don't, y'all don't even get it. Do you understand what it is, who you're working around? You're working with, do you know who he is? And I'm like, and he, he goes through this list of things, and after he's exhausted, I circle right back around to my initial question, which was, is this going to be overtime? Am I, am I getting paid for this or what? Cause I'm young and I'm dumb. I don't know. Am I getting, I want to know if I'm getting paid. I remember Miss Harris telling me if you working, make sure you get paid. You understand the terms of agreement. So I wanted to make sure he understood we were clear on the terms of agreement. If I'm going to be working, was I get, of course you're getting paid, Derek. Fine. I'm getting paid. And so spending time with him, I learned how he recognized students, how he felt it was important to to promote that. And he instilled in them, there's going to be a, a dress code. And when I say that this is what it is, Derek, don't put a rule up if you're not going to follow it. I'm like, why are you telling me all this stuff? I don't know all this stuff. What I just want to make sure I'm getting paid. He would call me and I would walk around the school with him. And he would go through, he would knock on doors, and he would give me the speech before he knocked on the door. He'd peek his head, because you know how high schools were. I mean, high schools had to look like glass pane. You can look in the glass pane and see what's going on. He said, I'm going to go inside here, and the teacher is invariably going to tell me, you know, I told him to take his hat off, and he's going to take the hat. And he would have bags. When I tell you bags, the 50-gallon bags filled with hats, 
the fifth the starter hats. You know those, you know, the fifty the fifty fifty hats, thirty-five, twenty-five dollars a pop, took your hat, and so now you've got to come up to get the hat. But you're not coming up during school hours to get the hat. No, that's not gonna happen. You're not gonna interrupt it. Mick is gonna make it inconvenient for you to come get this hat. So that's what he did. He would make it so you would have to come up after school to get the hat. <laughs> oh man, it used to piss people off, but that was him. His his whole he cha- he transformed Boys and Girls High School. He was my modern day Joe Clark. So now when you think about it had gotten to a point where I was ready to, man, I want to see cuz I'm, I'm I want to, I'm a practitioner, so I'm there four years. I want to practice all of this leadership that I have that I have gained, all this experience that I gained over the years. I want to practice this now, so I want to see if I can take these skills over into another environment and put them into practice. And so I learned, you know, you got to give your two weeks notice. I remember going to a Mick, you know, you know, I have an opportunity. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, going to this job over here and. Uh, in East New York at Thomas Jefferson. And he was like, well, you know, you can't come back. (laughs) And the assistant principal, like, he's just lying. He's just saying that things don't work out. You could always come back. Don't worry about it. He got you. And I, I, I went off and that's when I started uh, working in a dropout prevention program in East New York, Brooklyn. And I think we'll take a break in and we'll catch up. Um, I have a word from our sponsor. Right around the time I had I, I had gotten married and I had I had a um, a BMW. And this is not like a five series. This is a two thousand two um, brown and black BMW. Two thousand two, you know the BMW. It, it was like it was a vehicle that they used to go through like the desert. It looked it, it it you know it was it was nice, but the hood and the trunk were black. The body of the car was was like brown, and my plan was to restore it. I was going to restore this this um this car. It was a stick shift, so I was working at um, two ninety two Junior High School in 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 Brooklyn, that's in, in East New York, and I would park on the hill because the starter was 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 shot, and so I would I would do my commute. I, I was working two jobs at the time. I was working at Syat and Syat at a group home during the overnight. And then I would drive to Brooklyn and East New York and I would park on the hill. And the kids would, they would Mr. McGruff. That's what they called me. Detective McGruff. I don't know why they thought I was a detective. I guess because I'm walking through, you know, East New York. I got a bow tie on. You couldn't tell me shit, man. Woo! I had a bow tie on a suit that I had gotten from, um, it wasn't a new suit either. It was a suit. I, I think I went to the good, it was, you know, like a, a, a thrift shop. Cause he was like, yo, you gotta, you gotta come in here, Mr. Oxman. You gotta wear, you know, you gotta wear a suit. You gotta dress, you know, for the position. This is, this is what it is. And so I'm in there, you know, paraprofessional and I took those same habits. So I would, that's what I was wearing. I had on a suit, like an olive green suit. And, um, yeah, I'm pushing my car down the hill, and the kids would push me. You need a push, McGruff? Let's go. And then, you know, I'd jump in, hit the clutch, and then I would be out. And so I spent time in East New York knocking on doors in Brownsville, going to the homes and, and trying to make sure, you know, get the kids to come to school and, 
And then it was an opportunity. I was an outreach worker. So you'd have to do home visits and, and then I, you know, starting as an outreach worker, I was going to Adelphi at the, at the time. So in between after, you know, getting out of school, like three o'clock, then I would go to my night classes in the city and then head back home. And, and, that, and that was the routine. There was no running. I wasn't running. I think I might've been playing ball and then that stopped. And so it was just the routine of just going to work, school, home, work, school, home, work, school, home. Saturday, you know, I think that's the only day that I would see see the house. That was the only day I seen the house. That was that was it. And I'm outside and I'm like, oh man. So now you know you're young, you got this 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 house and there's a lawn. We didn't have a lawn in Brooklyn. So I'm like, what do I do? I got all the Home Depot, and I and I'm looking for the least expensive mower. So I get a mower that you, that it's not self-propelled. I don't know anything about self-propelled. I didn't. We didn't have. This is like pre-internet, so it was not like you know you Google it and figure out. No, it was like self-propelled. I don't know what that is. You'd have to go to the library, find out what. How am I? I ain't going to the library doing all that. I'm listening to you now. This one, I'm pushing it. They both pushing. I didn't know that the wheels were going to help you. And yeah, so this was like, this was work, man. I'm like, dag on, this is, this is, I'm gonna have to get me a used self-propelled motor because this, this lawn mowing stuff, messing up my sneakers, all the ground, I didn't know that was gonna happen. Nobody told me that that stuff was gonna happen. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm in there, you know, so you, you, you practice the, the skills and things that people tell you, I get promoted. Now I'm a case manager. Now I'm a senior case manager I'm at Jefferson high school. And you know, this is, you're talking about like the gun violence and shooting. There, there was shootings in, in Jeff, you know, like two, I remember them like distinct, like two shootings. I remember one Dinkins was the mayor of the city of New York. And he was scheduled for a visit at the school. And do you know that a kid comes in the day that he was scheduled to visit? So now, you know, you got the pre-team there. You got the cops there. And you, you pull up. You figure, you know, I'm going to shoot somebody because we had, you know, you were talking to my girlfriend or whatever it was. And you pull up to the school and you see all these cop cars like, today is not the day I'm going to walk in and do this. But sure enough, he didn't care. That's what he did. And so, you know, school shootings, this is like, this was... This was this was something before, you know, ah man, before the mass shootings in. So I was like, dag on. Things hadn't changed much. Um, and Mick was like, you know, because the, you you would get calls. I remember overhearing calls and he would be on the phone with the board of ed. He'd have me stand in. I would say, you, you want me to, you know, you know, you somebody's talking on the phone and you do that, you want me to, you want me to leave? No, no, no. He would say, no, no, wait, 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 wait. So I'm standing there and, and he's like, well, you know, if it was, it was Midwood. Then, you know, we would have metal detectors. And because we don't have metal detectors, this is what I have to do. And so that's what he did. He would secure the building. You know, and I'm at now, now I'm in Jefferson and I'm I'm there, I'm working with Lori Majet, and she's now the um, you know, this is before she became the principal. She was like an assistant principal and She's like, well, you know, we have to have a class um, for these students who didn't have a class, and why don't you create a life skills class? I'm like, okay, now I gotta, I gotta work on the curriculum. Well, okay, yeah, let's do that. So I used, I remember, I forget the 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 Jaru the Damages song, the name of the song, but I remember using one of his songs and one of Tupac's songs, 
Um, those are the two most memorable. Brendan's having a baby, and then you use that sort of like an English class or whatever. Anyhow, so that was my that was my mindset. That was that was that was my 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 take into my, my interest in, in working and helping people. You know, and that that's always been a part of my who I am. And uh, I remember getting a call from my director at the time. You know, we were. We were before I get to that. We were, um, we were when I first got the job there. This some the first summer we were, they would have a summer program, and I remember. And you think about like leadership and decisions that people make. We had a summer program, so then the next year, there was no summer program, and you know, the director waited until the end of the school year to say, oh, and by the way. You know, there won't be a summer program this year. We didn't get the funding. And I'm like, we didn't get the funding. Like, okay. So, like, you're going to wait until June to tell us that, we, that we're not working for the summer? Yeah, I'm young. I got, I don't know if Chloe was born yet. I'm, I'm like, yo, I got, I got stuff. I got, I got stuff to do, man. I got bills. I mean, like, for real. So, what am I, yo, I went into hustle mode. I used to go with my pops on a Saturday. I'm now nah, I'm pissed. I'm like I'm sitting in this meeting. Imagine sitting in a meeting. Now you're thinking you are going to get a check. Some people figure like they would be able to get unemployment. I wasn't able to get unemployment, you know, because I was working a second job or whatever. I probably could. I didn't even know. I was like, man, I'm ready to go from here. Just let me. I, can we go? Are we done? I don't want any more donuts. I don't want anything else to drink. I, I got my keys. I'm out. I'm, I was. I had left the meeting, but I was physically there, still, cause waiting, listening to all this crap that they were talking about. And so I'm like, man, now I got to start thinking about what am I going to do on Saturdays? Every Saturday morning, my pops would wake me up, and we would go. I would go with him to um, to work on Hancock Street. You know, he would do like little odds and ends, painting, sheetrock, and and you know, just. Everything, you know, cementing, concrete, and just restoring homes. I'm like, there was always something for him to do. He didn't drive, so he would get up early in the morning, catch the C, the C train, transfer to the A train, catch the New Jersey PATH train, go into New Jersey to work, come back home, and then do odds and ends in the community. And then Saturday morning, we would get together, um, and then... And then Saturday, I think some Saturdays out of the month, he would go and he would clean the church also. So it, we're in the community. So I'm like, okay, that's what I got to do. I got to hustle. I got to figure out how am I going to make ends meet? What am I going to do? What am I going to do to be able to put food on the table? And that's, that was my mindset. That was my mode of operation. You got to work. You got to eat. If you don't, if mine don't work, you ain't going to eat. And that's what he used to, he would drill that stuff in all these, you know, principles that would stick in my head. So that's what I did. The following year, I figured out I wrote a pro wrote a proposal and we had gotten funding for a summer program. And so you just couldn't have a, a, um, a senior case manager working. You had to have the director. So the director had gotten, a, gotten him a job as well through the, uh, the program that we, that we created. And so now one day I'm sitting in the office upstairs on the fifth floor, you know, so-and-so from the fifth floor, bro, man from fifth floor, I'm upstairs on the fifth floor in my office. I got an office. I'm, I'm in the office. I'm 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 feeling you know it's a little in in the corner. I get a call from him saying you know what's going on. You know you're looking at stats or some numbers or whatever, and he's like, "Yo, you you got a welfare mentality." I said, "What?" I hung up the phone, and his office was on Fountain Street. 
Thomas Jefferson is on uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. And if anybody's familiar, so I, I get, I go to, I think it was Belmont. I think that's the street over. The one that goes, Belmont, I forget which one goes straight up to Fountain. So I, I, I head straight to the office, park the car. Excuse me? What did you say? I got a what? A welfare mentality? I, I got you a job. You know, it's like, how do you? I, I, so now I'm pissed. I'm like, this don't even, that don't even make sense. Like, what do you, you know, I, I'm going through a lot, Derek, man, you know, you know, it's a rough time for me, you know, with my family and, and stuff I'm going through. I'm like, I'm like, that's when I realized, yo, it's time to, uh, time to relocate. Mm -hmm. And so I changed, um, change the course. And you think about when you have to change direction and you're, you know, you, you have one thing set up and then you realize, you know, things don't always work out according to plan. So you got to change. And if you don't change, then, you know, it's going, it's not, it's not going to change. And so it was, I'm wearing, actually, I'm wearing the bow tie today too. You know, you might've seen me wearing the bow tie and yeah, it was a, a, I started a bow tie company. It was a metaphor uh, for my life at the time, knots in a box. And I started making bow ties. I started converting, converting bow ties from out of straight ties. Like, cause I got to figure something out. Cause this, this ain't going to work. I'm not going to, you're not going to tell me that. Nah, I'm going to have to figure something out. And I've always been the mindset. They're like, like, yo, don't, I'm not waiting for somebody to give me something. So let's get up. Let's figure something out. We started the, uh, the selling ties. And now, I, you know, you're going out and you're picking out samples. Mick, you know, I brought some to Mick and he's like, well, I don't know about ties. You pick out. And I, you know, I picked some ties out. You give him ties. He purchased the ties from me. And, and that's how it, it kind of continued to, um, to grow. I remember having postcards and having a need to print up postcards. And I went into Kinko's and that's when I met Bob Miller, Robert Miller. Bob, Bob was, Bob was a devil's fan. I, I, I never got hockey. I, I was never, nah, was never a hockey fan. I collected football cards, basketball cards, baseball cards. I was I don't mean to be like people that play hockey, but Bob Miller was cool. I walked in there and Bob was like, yo, you should send some samples to, um, the coach of the devils. I think one of them wore a bow tie and he's like, Oh, thanks for the heads up. What do you do? You make ties? Yeah. I'm trying to get these cards printed. Da, 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 da. You know, they're hiring here. Hey, that was his, that was his sales pitch. <laughs> Bob got me hired at the, um, I'm, I'm, I'm at Kinko's working overnight, making copies. I went to, I, I remember thinking about it. How are, let's see, you know, you start doing the calculation. How much was I spending in gas the time to and from, um, to and from Brooklyn and I'm working at St. Mary's, uh, overnight. I'm like, ah, oh, man, yeah, I will change off positions and I'll start working at, uh, at Kinko's. And that's where I got into, you know, leadership and management. And that wasn't my background initially, but in terms of just picking up tips from working with Mr. Mickens and being exposed to other leaders, um, I said, yeah, I, could, I think I could do this. And I would go and the library, tapes, man, I, I became like a sponge. When I tell you everyone from Napoleon Hill, uh, ah, man, what, what is the guy before Jim Rowan? Um, ah, there was so many, uh, John Maxwell, Dave Tracy, uh, oh, man, there was just so many different Max Dupree, and I think about, so all of these books, you know, Ken Blanchard, Stephen Covey, all these guys, 
you know, and then you read one book, somebody else tell you about another book, and you and I'm listening to these tapes going back and forth. And that's how I was like, yeah, I gotta I gotta get up to speed because, you know, I I, I have a management degree. I gotta, you know, I gotta I don't wanna be making copies the rest of my life. So I gotta figure something out. You know, training and development position open up. I applied for that. You know, then next thing I did that for about 18 months and then uh, entered into the management and training program, was opening up stores in uh, in Long Island. And that was my that was my thing. That was that was what I was about. It was constantly thinking about trying to move and go forward. And it was like, yo, you're climbing, trying to do all this stuff. And I remember getting to a point where it was like, yo, I we turned around this store in Garden City working there with Robert and it was a team effort and I remember the CEO when he came out to the store and he's visiting the store and he said, yo, you know what? I, I do a lot of these visits and people, they tell me, oh, the stores turn around. It's not like it used to be and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I, I usually leave them at the door and then I go around and I talk to the associates myself and, and, you know, get a, a pulse of the organization. And I got to tell you, Derek, I did that. And what they said outside is true and it's a testament to your leadership. And it felt good, you know, because the, the, the district manager was like, you know, when he took over, he was like, I wouldn't have promoted you to, you know, to run Garden City. And I'm like, well, with all due respect, it wasn't your call, you know, but whatever. I don't know what that has to do with my performance appraisal right now at the moment. Um, so I decided, you know, what I'm going to do is we're going to, you know, put your head down and you just continue to to plug away and, and you're working. And I'm like, yeah, things changed around. And that's when I started to realize, you know, it, it's time to, to you get that feeling like it's time to go. When people start, don't appreciate your value, then you need, you need to take your value to another, another organization. I remember it was snowing outside. And so my mindset is, yo, I shoveled snow when I was, you know, younger. So I'm the manager at this location. So we got to shovel. I'm not shoveling snow. Nobody shovels snow in Oxford's. You know what I mean? You're not shoveling snow in a suit and tie. So yeah, have on some boots and jeans. It's snowing outside. What would you prefer me to do? Not shovel, and then there'd be an accident. It's not like you know this was a this wasn't a. I was working at the you know a location in Queens on Queens Boulevard. Anybody know familiar with, with FedEx on Queens Boulevard? I think it's still there. I'm sure it's still there. I seen it the other day. So there are no snow plows coming along on, you know, doing the street. So you've got to get out there as the store owner and clean the sidewalk. So, or have someone slip and fall and the suit is going to cost you more. So which would you prefer? You can't have it both ways. So I figured I don't need somebody to pick up the phone and, and, and tell me that this needs to happen. I'm the only male in there at the time. So I'm shoveling. Do you know that the district manager came and he was pissed that I was shoveling snow? And it, and it was like, you know, well, why would you be upset that would you prefer that I wouldn't shovel and then someone falls? It just the, the rationale didn't make sense to me. And so I'm like, eh. and I think that's right around the time like podcasting and stuff was was starting to get familiar. And I was like, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think it would be great if you had like a podcast to be able to use it as like a training and development tool and I had an old Mac at the time. I went and bought this like this uh this 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 MacBook on, you know, an actual book, not a MacBook. I did have a MacBook, but this book on 
podcasting because I wanted to get familiar with how could you do this so that you don't have to wait for this CD or wait for this uh, this trainer to come to the location to conduct the training. You can kind of upload it and then everybody can view it and disperse it. And that was that was the mindset. That's what I was thinking at the time. All right. So I'm like, all right, well, let's do that. But after that snow experience and that conversation, like, you know what? I'm out of here. I had started a cleaning company, had folks working for me, and I was, I was, I was, you know, I thought I was, I thought I was going all right. So yeah, I step out on faith. And I remember stepping out of the house and it was snowing. I had my backpack on and I went stumbling out the door and fell, landed on my back. And that was that, you know, and it's those circumstances that kind of lead you to, you know, to where you are. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't living right. At the time, you know, you start running around and in the streets and, you know, thinking you get you get frustrated because you don't have balance. You need you need balance in your life. You need some sort of outlet. And running became that outlet for me. Running became um, a source of, 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 of strength, a source of like, you know, relief. You get you get some. There's just something about running. And I wasn't always a runner. I wasn't running while I was working at Boys and Girls High School. I wasn't running when I was at 292 or Jefferson. I wasn't running when I was working at FedEx. I wasn't running. I was I was working. I was working, 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 working. You know, I was working while I was at, I was running. I wasn't running while I was at CVS or any of these retailers. And it was only until it was only until I started, my sister for like two years straight would tell me, oh, you should give this running thing a shot. You know, Westport in Connecticut, you know, they've got a, um, they've got a, they've got a running series. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I'll check it out. And before I get to that, how did I, how did I end up in Connecticut? Because, oh, fire truck. Okay. Guess somebody's got a fire. They, they're off anyhow. And so I'm in, I'm in Brooklyn, and I had lost, I had left um, FedEx Kinkos, and I had the cleaning company. But after getting injured, lost the accounts. So now I'm like, I'm unemployed, you know, not working, injured, trying to recoup. Um, Dag on, I was I figured I would start, you know, let's, 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 let's do something, you know, and let's start the business. You know, I was going to start this, this coaching business, no clients. <laughs> when I think about it now, it's like, that was like, Hmm, you know, so I'm, I'm developing curriculum. I don't have any clients. I don't have anybody to work with, but I've got material. I've got this idea in my head that I was going to be able to execute this thing and, yeah, I had an art show. Things were starting to look up. You know, people come out and they did the. They had purchased some art, and I'm like, okay, I, yeah, I could start doing this thing. And and but that was that. It didn't work out. And I had I had that was like rock bottom. And I was walking around. I remember walking around in 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 Brooklyn, and Brooklyn had looked so bright, man. I had never. It, everything was like illuminated that night, and um. Yeah, I was like out of my mind, literally. Wind up having um, a breakdown and had to spend time in the, um, and I was at Woodhull Hospital. And I was there, must have been like for, for like 30 days. I don't know how they found, how my family found me. I remember being in Woodhull Hospital on the phone talking to my sister and saying like, yo, 
I don't I don't want to stand here and die, you know. And but I need but I need a place to stay. I don't have any place to stay. You know? And that was that was like the breaking point when I think about it. Because you can you can be doing something, you're climbing this this ladder of success, you're trying to get to this this destination. You're trying to, to accomplish something, and then you could lose everything. Or you could win everything. But if there's no one beside you, that's an empty victory. It's an empty victory. And that's what it was. That's what it felt like. I remember, you know, coming in and, and, and feeling like, you know, I was married at the time and you're sharing something with your wife and, and, you know, you would, you would, you would have like social grooming. I remember, you know, go to, to the night job and you're, you're talking to your buddy and you're, you're, you're talking about how bad you got it at home. He talking about how bad he got it at home with his wife and you don't realize how good you got it, but you're just thinking about focusing on the negative. Um, Kinko's, kink, what is a Kinko's? You know, when you hear the name, like, does that say copying and printing that was that was just his hair was kinky and so he paul offer his hair was kinky he figured he'd call it kinkos that was the concept that he had in his head and it was his company and that's what he did and started out in california and and it grew but kink nobody knows what a kinkos was at the time so like imagine you telling somebody I'm going to go work for Kinko's. I'm going to leave my job, which is what I did. I told her, I'm leaving my job, and I'm going to go work for Kinko's. And she didn't know what a Kinko's was. I can't be mad at her because she didn't know what a Kinko's was. I didn't know what a Kinko's was. But being in the store and seeing the possibilities, I believed what Robert said, what Bob said. Bob said, yo, they're going to be opening up stores it's a new company. There's room for growth and opportunity. And I didn't feel like he was selling me a pitch. You know, I believed what he said. He said, I started here. This is, the, you know, I'm an assistant manager here. I'm about to get promoted, whatever, whatever. You know, be working during the overnight. The overnight team members get, you know, you get full coverage. You know, you, 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 I think it was I think I was working part-time, but I was getting my benefits from the night job at St. Mary's. So I believed what he said. And so I took him at his word. And, um, yeah, I started working at, but you're, you're working at this job. And I was like, yo, I'm going, I'm going to prove to these people, these naysayers that people didn't believe me, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this thing. And so we turned this store around and now we're the number one store in the market and the most improved store in the market. And they have this celebration and I'm at the celebration and there's nobody there with me at the celebration. I come home with my, with these, these, um, awards but there was nobody there to celebrate the victory with me. It's an empty victory. You know, it's empty. There's nothing, there's nothing to that. And so when I, when I started running, when I started, you know, after I got out of the hospital and now I'm, I'm, I'm living in, in my sister's house in Connecticut. Um, I'm like, yo, I gotta, I, I gotta change, man. Something's gotta change. Something's gotta give. I gotta, I gotta do something. I, you know, I remember her paying for me to um. Take she took, I took a car 
And we went to went to this interview at Walgreens. And I didn't get the job. <laughs> but I got the job at CVS. And and then, you know, it's just like, yo, I started, you know, started working there and then left there. Um and went to uh left there. I got fired from there. And then was working at um the Home Depot. And that's where I met Sean and Miguel. Um and so started running and I'm running and I'm like, yo. Alright. And like, yo, we could do this, um, we're doing this marathon. We do, you wanna do this marathon? I'm like, what's a marathon? I don't know what a marathon is. And so start this marathon, and next thing you know, start this marathon training. And I gotta buy these books because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't have a clue. But you start reading and I and I start buying books and get opened up to an a whole world of different athletes and I'm like, wow, this is this is fascinating, man. This is interesting to me to hear the stories and and being welcomed into a community and and it's like nobody in charge. The asphalt, you know, is the determinant. You know, everybody's lining up at the at the start line at the same time and and you're seeing people at different levels of, of fitness. I remember doing these races and, and, and show up and most times I would show up and I would be the only you know, one of few black people at, at, at the race. I didn't, we didn't run growing up in, in Brooklyn. Nobody was running just to be running. Who ran just to run? Nobody was just running just to be running. There was just one guy I used to see running up and down Halsey Street. Uh, but his little shorts on, black guy, um, no shirt, sweating, just... And I remember that's what he was doing. He's probably training for a marathon. And so... This is this is why, you know, I do what I do. This is why I I'm so passionate about um sharing stories because I think people's stories are important. You don't know where people, you know, what people are running from, how they're using running to to cope with their everyday life, um how through running they start a a podcast or through running they start doing skits or or through running they start a business whether it's t-shirts or they they've launched their whatever you know that that they're into um fitness you know there's just so many juice companies you know they're just so many avenues so many stories and don't they know that i'm recording now I guess they have a fire that takes precedence over this uh, episode. But hearing those stories of people who are out there beating the pavement, getting up early in the morning, whether they have a farm uh, and they're training and they got a family or they're they, um, whatever it is that they're, they're, they're doing, I, I find these stories fascinating and I, I seek them out and, and want to share them with, with other people and, and that's why I do the podcast. That's why, that's who I am. And so when I started doing the weekly race, race recaps, it was an opportunity for me to share bits and pieces of my, my, my story uh, with the audience um, and to bring the running community and endurance community together um, and just continue to grow. And um, that's what I'm about. That's who I am. That's always going to be a part of my, my nature. That's always going to be a part of, of, um, of me. You know, so yeah, that's it. You know, so hey, listen, thanks so much for joining us. Um, and you guys have a great day. Von mm. 2017. Deliving Stone. 
Yo, I use running, that's just how I cope I could be moving weight and selling dope Get locked up, then released and start selling rhymes New lease on life, now I'm feeling fine That's not my life, so I'll share with you mine Not a dope boy, but I do drink wine Enjoy the finer things in life Popping price tags, I ain't about that life Some experiences I'd want to relive twice I count my blessings, I paid the price Learned a lot from lessons I look to the heavens and start my engine And count my blessings After the wedding, got divorced, new beginnings Like Mary J, it's a new beginning Life's harsh, I stop resisting Learn to go with God's flow Stop selling for mere existing Sometimes I still feel inadequate When starting new, screw how you feel That's just my point of view No matter how I feel, I can't quit Life's the only bitch that I wanna hit Cause Lord knows it can get rough as shit Get mad, frustrated, depressed Start caring less than I shake myself Caress my thoughts, now I'm convinced she'll let me hit I pulled up her skirt, she let me hit I plant my seed and I water it Invest my time, stay on my grind, I nourish it Dreams bound to grow, I believe that shit Gotta get my mind right so I can write Fight long into the night, write my way out of this hell Rip a pen, I don't know where they begin So let's start from the end, let the story begin Let the story begin uh, Or should I say end After a passionate plea, she agreed to let me stay in what's now called a soap factory Please don't leave me in here to grow old and die It was the only place that made sense, Yvonne's house in CT I broke down in tears, terrified, depressed, scared, desperately wanted out of the hospital The only hitch was I needed to find a place to stay I'm not sure how, but somehow someone in the hospital got a contact with my family I was unemployed, hospitalized, it was a dark, scary time in my life Detached from my family, practically alone, wandering, squandering my gifts Tired of working the third shifts, I hadn't slept in God knows how long Sleep deprived, I dipped in and out of reality Reality. Real talk, no fairy tales or fantasy Yo, how were they created without the use of caliper Those cranes that benefit of any modern day technology Instead, I spent the night on the street The block that housed the old boys' high school Racing thoughts about pyramids flooded my mind For the most part, many of the brown souls in bed have similar styles With no address, no phone, no phone number to call Neil I trashed the idea to find him As I'm writing this, my memory is jolted I remember trying to get to my man's house Visited Neil's house once during the daytime Now it's dark, I'm scrambling to remember something significant About the block that he lived on I was walking, no destination in mind, best I never seemed so bright. Everything was illuminating, although it was night, everything was bright, clear. My senses were awakened beyond my imagination. And as I strolled through familiar blocks of my childhood, memories were fading out of my mind. And I lost track of time more than a rhyme or a hook. It's not something I've written a book. Running helped to stabilize me. Call me crazy, I think it helped to save me. At a time when I was teetering, no need to patronize me, hurting me. I wasn't listening, I was too busy chasing chicken. That's why I'm grateful. Try to stay faithful, never hateful. I move humble and graceful, like a running ambassador. I clean up nice like a Janitor used to be a manager, rather lead of men and women. Now I'm just trying to follow my vision. Mm. Yo, running, that's just how I cope. I could be moving weight and selling dope. Get locked up, released on bail, start selling rhymes. New lease on life, now I'm feeling fine. That's not my life, so I share with you mine. I'm not a dope boy, but I do drink wine. Enjoy the finer things in life, popping price tags, I ain't about that life. Some experiences I just wanna relive twice. Count my blessings, I paid the price. I learned a lot from my lessons. I looked at the heavens, I start my engine, I count my blessings. After the winning, got divorced. After 13 years, new beginnings. Like Mary J, it's a new beginning. Life's harsh, I stop resisting. Learn to go with God's flow, stop selling. For mere existence Sometimes I still feel inadequate When starting new Screw how I feel That's just my point of view No matter how I feel I can't quit Life's the only bitch That I wanna hit Cause Lord knows Sometimes it gets rough as shit I get mad Frustrated Depressed Start caring less Then I shake myself Caress my thoughts Now I'm convinced She'll let me hit I pulled up her skirt She let me hit I plant my seed And I water it Invest my time Stay on my grind I nourish it 
Dreams bound to grow, I believe that shit Just gotta get my mind right so I can write Fight long into the night with this pen Write my way out of this hell, I told y'all the story in Now it's time to write a new beginning Run, you tame it 2017